to save six figures with Gina Knox, the podcast where I coach you on how to save $100,000 by optimizing your cash flow. Hello, savers, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have my dear friend and client, Twyla Dill. She has been on this podcast before. You guys have probably heard her name if you've been following me or like paying attention at all to the last 12 months. Um, Twyla was a one-on-one client and then has been a mastermind client. She's in her second round of seven figure wealth. And I just had to bring her on today to talk about her home buying journey. So we're going to talk about that today, but before we dive into it, Twyla, please introduce yourself to the people who may not know you. What do you do? Who are you? How do we know each other? All this stuff. Hi. Yes, I am Twyla Dill. I run a jewelry company of the same name, Twyla Dill. Um, and I make crocheted lace jewelry that I cast into solid metal. So until you see the jewelry, hard to kind of conceptualize and understand what that is, but essentially I'm crocheting thread, casting into metal. It's very opulent. It's very fancy. I'm going into fine jewelry after years of uh, kind of demi-fine, I suppose, um, and Gina and I went to high school together and we've just kept in touch and become closer and closer ever since. And she, Yay. you know, helps me, coaches me, pushes me on my, um, <laughs> my mindset and my business and my money. And it's really awesome. <laughs> and we visit each other too. So it's so fun. And I know like, if you guys are listening to the podcast, you won't be able to see this, but I'm sure we'll get a video up of this somewhere. We are both wearing Twyla's jewelry right now. And I'll do the little ASMR. <laughs> we're, we're both wearing the new collection from Twyla. I just got mine in the mail this week. So obsessed, you guys. So um, obsessed. The chain that Gina is wearing is named after her. It is called the Gina chain. So that's pretty fun. I want to talk about first your home buying process because you were mm. in the mastermind when it was called Seven Figure Retirement. And we were coaching every day and we were talking about a lot of just like mindset coaching for about six months. And then I remember sometime in March, I went, Twyla, I want you to buy a house. Like mm -hmm. I want, and um, not, of course, not if you don't want to, that's a huge commitment to do for someone else. But if I want you to explore what it might take to buy a house mm -hmm. and, um, and then right about that time is when we transitioned from seven figure retirement into seven figure wealth and you re-signed into seven figure wealth. Can you tell us about, about that? Like about that March when I told you and that story, what happened? Yeah. So in March, I definitely thought, okay, I would like to own a house. I would really love to work from home again. I would like to have a space that's my own. Conceptualizing it was a little tricky um, I remember you were looking at rentals, like looking, I was to looking rent at a rentals. House. So I was, I was afraid of a mortgage, a large mortgage payment, but then I started looking at rentals and I was realizing that like for what I want, where I want a house with a separate studio space where I could work from the math just wasn't mathing. Like the rental options weren't really there with those separate spaces. And also the price wouldn't have ended up being all that different with the rentals from a mortgage considering what I wanted. So I went back and forth and it was like, okay, maybe I'll start looking at houses 
and start the loan process or like getting pre-approved. So I had a few conversations with people. I actually took a first time home buyers class, um, but then I never did anything with it because it was just feeling scary and big. And yeah, the rentals weren't seeming like a good option, but the houses were also seeming like a lot, you know, it was all just a lot. And I was in this tiny apartment that was working, but was no longer ideal. I was growing out of. And my studio space um, where my I made my jewelry was separate from my home. And it was also working, but also just not ideal. So I was starting to think about it, but then it was like, this year is feeling big. I haven't, I'm in a product transition, right? Like my business wasn't making as much money. My, all, my savings were a bit lower than usual. Like all of these different factors, I was kind of feeling unsure about that whole process and then just not really understanding what goes into buying a home what goes into closing costs what goes into all of this and I'd started the conversation with my real estate agent but it was kind of like a start stop conversation right it was like okay let's have this conversation just kidding I don't know where I'm at okay, maybe I'm ready. Uh, you know, like I just, and wasn't I remember ready. too, you were waiting in that early part of like, or the later part of Q1, early Q2, you were waiting mm -hmm. for your tax return to be finalized so that oh. the tax return could go towards okay. the lending process so that you could get approved for the I home that, that you wanted. Right. I forgot that detail. Okay. I did actually go for pre-approval with a lender prior to this. And because we had used my 20, gosh, 2021 and 2020 tax returns um, and 2020 had been quite a low year, they were like, mm, no, this is not going to work. It's not enough. Um, so that that's what was happening. My tax return hadn't been filed for 2022 yet. And so I was just kind of sitting. I was sitting and waiting for the tax return to be done. And then when the tax return was done, yeah, that's an interesting timeline. I forgot about that. I have to, I had to have to go look back to see if that's what instigated. I think it was a combination of well, you I saying. Think, yeah. I think your tax return was done and I think we had decided, okay, we're going to put it on hold. We're going to let your taxes do the taxes. Yeah. And, um, and then the tax returns were done and it was like, okay, Twyla. Are you right. going to go you get your at this again. again? Are you going to do it again? And then after that, once the tax return was done and I could go look at it again, um, I think I did send that tax return over to the lender and was like, okay, let's start this process again with the new tax returns. But then after that, I was like, I have to wait for a VIP day with Gina because I was believing that I needed your permission to make any moves. That was what it was. I was like, oh. I have a tendency to do this. I'm learning not to, but like, there's a tendency sometimes when you're being coached or whatever to be like, okay, this is terrifying. I'm going to put the responsibility on somebody else and let them <laughs> tell me what I can do <laughs> yeah. instead of just like making a decision for myself. And that was actually a conversation with my sister because you were on vacation or something. I think yes, you were on vacation. Yes, I was. I had gone to Greece. You had gone to Greece. 
And I was like, uh, I can't make any moves until I talk to Gina. And I was on the phone with my sister telling her this. And she was like, literally the whole point of you getting coaching is for you to be confident in making your own decisions. Like you don't have to wait for Gina to make a decision to do something. She said, what if, what if you could buy a home before going on vacation in one month and then you could come home from vacation to a new home? I cried. I cried on the phone because that was so overwhelmingly mind-blowing of a concept. I was like, I can what? I hadn't thought about that the process could happen before vacation. I didn't want to spend another summer in this tiny apartment I was living in with no outdoor space. So all of these things, I just hadn't thought about it. And so I had like a cry on the phone and I was really overwhelmed, but in a very exciting way of like, wait, this is a possibility. You know what's, can we pause there for a moment? I think it's so huge and people underestimate how much our limiting beliefs are are subconscious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we don't even know we have them until someone else points them out. And it can be very hard for us to think beyond that and like create possibility in our own minds if we don't even like, no, we have a limiting belief. So your limiting belief around how long it might take to buy a house. It's not like you were walking around, like, I can't buy a house in one month. Like that's impossible. You just had this subconscious, like belief and for someone else to challenge it, right? Like, it's not like it's a thing that you're daily worried about, but once someone challenges it and presents a new possibility, it can crack your brain open. Oh yeah. It totally, I was like, what? That's That's even like within the realm of possibility that I could buy a house before vacation in one month and then come home and then come home to a garden and a house. Like that's mind blowing. So jump to the punchline. I want you to bring up your phone. What's the punchline? I closed my house on June 30th. Literally. What is that? 47 days after having this conversation with my sister. Didn't you text your real estate agent right after that conversation? I texted my real estate agent. I just looked back at the texts. May 13th, Saturday, May 13th, I texted my real estate agent and I was like, I know you're on paternity leave, but I'm ready to get going with this process. May 13th, when Gina and I first hopped on this call, both, both of our brains thought this process took two and a half months. It took one and a half months. It took 48 days. I was telling Twyla, I have written a lot of like case study emails about her. And in every case study email for my launch, I wrote, she bought a house in two and a half months. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go back and fix all those emails. I didn't even realize I didn't, it was less than two months from like, okay, I'm ready to closed. Like, which is just in hand. Well, well, keys in hand, not really because you were on vacation because I was out of the country in Portugal, but, (laughs) um, can we talk about that as well for a moment? Because I think that that is such a mind bender for others as well. You not only told your real estate agent 48 days prior that you're ready to begin the process and then found the house and then made an offer on the house and then negotiated the offer and then went through the underwriting process and then got approved for the loan and then finalized and got all the signed things Uh and sent the money 
But while a majority of that was happening, you were in another country. I was on vacation pretty much. Yeah. You wire transferred your like funds while in Portugal. Yes. And I actually had put an offer on one other house first. So we, we started, I don't know when that happened. We started the process May 13th. I kind of think I put an offer within a week on a house. It was declined or, you know, didn't get it. And that was a bunch of emotional turmoil. <laughs> yeah. You have like, we dove into the process. We've looked at this one house. I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. I saw the house Sunday, put an offer in Monday morning. It was rejected Monday night. It was like 24 hours of just complete. <laughs> when people say buying a home is an emotional roller coaster, I can attest to that. It was wild. And this process was actually happening with a an agent that was not my main real estate agent. He was subbing in for him because of the paternity leave. Also a wonderful person. So like I worked with both of them and that was great. So we like put an offer on this house, was rejected. And then the next week we're like, okay, let's start from the beginning again and go look at houses. Wait a minute. I remember what? something differently. <laughs> I remember you being like, I got rejected on this house. I think it's a sign. I think I'm just going to wait until I get back from Portugal. Two parts to that. Yes, th there was part of that being rejected from that first house, but we did that rejection happened Monday. We still went on Friday and looked at seven houses because we wanted to have, they wanted to have a better concept of what I was looking for. And we hadn't done any of that initial, like, let's go to open houses. Like the flirting. The flirting. So we, so yeah, that Monday I was rejected on that first house and it was like the only house I'd looked at yet. We skipped the whole steps of the flirting stage of looking at houses. Then we were like, okay, reel it in. Let's go to the flirting stage. We looked at seven houses on Friday that same week. And then after that, none of them were, none of them were great. They were like, okay, interesting. That's data. That's information. And during, throughout this whole process, the loan um, pre-approval was happening with my lender and it was feeling hard and messy for me personally. It was like, I'm self-employed. My business like revenue goes up and down. Some months are big, some months are small, right? They didn't like all of this. Like it was very complicated for them. They're super nitpicky They're at nitpicky. that stage. Mm -hmm. So throughout this whole process, I'm like, am I even going to get a loan? I don't know. I don't know what I'll get a loan for. I don't really want to look at houses because I don't know what I'll be approved for and what I can afford. So there was this undercurrent of like not being sure about anything throughout it. And then after looking at those seven houses and being overwhelmed and having the up and downs of the loan thing, I did have like days where I cried of like, just like, this is so overwhelming. There's no pressure here to get this done, right? Like I'll get a house eventually. Maybe it will be this year. Maybe I'll get a rental and it will be next year. I don't know. But right now it's not feeling good to be putting so much pressure on it. After I told my agent, never mind, pause. We're going to revisit it in July. He sends me an email with a few listings to look at. But one in particular he texted me about. And he was like, there's an open house at this place. It has a private community beach and a main house cottage connected by a little breezeway which seems like it might be a great setup for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
Uh, thank you. I'm not sure if David mentioned who's the other real estate agent, but I'm slowing the search down for a little bit. I'm not stopping it, but I was putting a lot of pressure on myself and it was not a good feeling. So I'm taking the pressure off, which means if it pops up, that's great, but I'm going to take it easy until July. I literally texted him this <laughs> and this was on June 2nd. And you're leaving the country oh. on June 11th. And he was like, yeah, yeah. We chatted about it a little bit. No need to feel stressed. And then I was like, oh, wait, I just looked at the listing. Okay, wow. Should I go look at it? And he was <laughs> like, yeah, I think it'd be worth a look. There's an open house, no pressure, obviously. But, you know, it has all of the features you were wanting. Okay, I'll go look at it. And I sent the listing to my sister. And in this moment, because of the roller coasters I'd been on for the last few weeks, I was like, I am detached. I think you sent me the listing and I was like, this is amazing. And you're like, yeah, it's fine. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I sent it to my sister and she was like, um, can you buy it off market without looking at it first? Like, can you just like, it's perfect. Like buy it. And I was like, you keep the excitement for me. You can hold the excitement. I'm detached. So we go to the open house on June 4th. We're walking around. It looks amazing. But I'm like, whatever. I'm detached. <laughs> You're like, you went from being like a young pup to having your first offer rejected to being like a seasoned investor. You're like, I'm detached. Oh, no. Meanwhile, it's been like 12 days. <laughs> the detachment. Yes. It had been like 12 days. The detachment was trying to protect myself. Of I course was like, it was. I was like, that was so much stress and up and down and the feelings and the, I was just like, I cannot, I cannot. I'm detached. That's why too, to, to sidebar for a moment, that's why we spend so much time in seven figure wealth, just coaching on releasing pressure. Mm -hmm. Because when we put pressure on our financial goals, whether it's buying a house or like paying off a debt or hitting a, you know, amount in your investment account, it actually slows the process down because you're so like emotionally invested in it. And it is exhausting when you're emotionally invested in something that is kind of up and down. Oh my God. So exhausting. Yeah. Um, so I detached myself and my sister was incredibly excited and anybody else I showed it to was incredibly excited. And I was like, yeah, whatever the offer review date was that Wednesday. So whatever, three days later. And I was like, okay, I think, I think we have to go for this, but in a detached way. I was like, whatever, we'll just see what happens. You're like still detached, still detached. Still detached. <laughs> um, so right. We Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're like going through things and doing the finance stuff and, and, you know, loan stuff is confusing because there's like a, there's like a pre-approval, but then there's under pre-underwriting and then there's underwriting. And as it turns out, the pre-approval had been done for me, but not the underwriting and the pre-underwriting. Which is normal. A lot of people submit offers just based on pre-approval, but I like to tell my clients like pre-approval, like kind of doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It does not it's mean- It's just you have like a little fancy piece of paper on a letterhead. Yes. <laughs> right. We got the offer in like Wednesday morning. I learned in hindsight or like after the process that there were five offers- and, um, I was actually that day I had like worked during the day and then I had a nail appointment to get my nails done. And I was, I told my agent about it and I was like, I, you know, I'll be available via phone for the afternoon. Let me know what you need. I was like, again, I am D T 
attached, right? So he calls me on the phone as I'm driving to my nail appointment. And he's like, you know, it's kind of competitive. There are five offers. I just want you to keep that in mind, like whatever, keeping my, like, it's cool. I'm detached. detached. (laughs) Okay, fine. Because the previous offer that I had put on that first house, I think was like five or six um, offers as well. And the one who took the house was a cash offer. Okay. I'm detached. I get to my nail tech's place. I'm just hanging out. Um, and he's like, well, you're looking like you're going to be in You're one of the top two offers, um, because there was an escalation clause, right? So the house was, um, $600,000 and then mine allowed it to escalate to 655 because that was kind of like the budget that I was comfortable with. He calls back a little later and he's like, you might be the top offer, but there's this clause about appraisal where if the appraisal comes in low, the appraisal contingency, if you make your appraisal contingency, whatever it was like $15,000 or something, Mm -hmm. then you'll be the top offer because you'll match the other person's appraisal contingency. But then your offer was a little bit higher. And also I didn't mention this before on the day we looked at the house, I had met the owner and we'd had this bit of connection and she was an artist and she'd use the backspace for her artist. We'd had this like very sweet connection. And so I'd also written her a letter. So he was like with your letter and your offer. And then if you add this appraisal contingency, um, you'll actually be the top offer. So this is like, while I'm getting my nails done, I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? And he's like, okay, I'm going to go get to work on this. And I'm just sitting there, you know, like checking my phone at this point, I'm still detached, but I'm also like, maybe I'm not detached. Right. <laughs> um, like trying to trick, like trying to trick, trying yourself to trick into my being, brain. Into you're being like, detached. no, I'm detached. I'm detached. I'm detached. But, I'm detached. But I really you want it. A lot of times you'll stay detached. <laughs> he updated the appraisal contingency and then called back and he was like, well, congratulations. They accepted your offer. And I was, I just, I like cried on the phone at my nail tech's place. Like I was going to say, that's a huge moment. And all of this, like real estate is kind of until you've gone through it, it can feel like this big black box of like, I don't know half of the stuff that Twyla's even talking about right now, which is why we have a whole module walking through it all. But like what a lot of people don't know is your real estate agent is the one that you're talking to and they're talking to the seller's real estate agent and you never talk to the buyer, like unless by happenstance. It was random that I met her. I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. It's usually all through the real estate agent. So it's a lot of like jumping on the phone with your real estate agent, having a little powwow, then they call the other real estate agent, they talk, and then you get back on the phone. It's a lot of this little like snippy conversations. And you can just be like, I remember sitting there with my phone on the table being like, when are they going to call? When are they going to call? Yep. When are they going to call? <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting. You feel like like yeah. a teenager waiting for like a crush to call you. Uh-huh. So yeah. what was it like when, when your agent said, congratulations, you've been accepted? It, it just like was a rush of overwhelming feeling, like tearing up, crying, like, oh my God, are you freaking kidding me? And then feeling hopeful and starting to get attached I still actually stayed quite detached for the rest of the process because having your offer accepted does not mean you have a home. (laughs) Deals can can still fall through lots of different Um, ways. And yeah, I like called my sister, called my dad. Like I was like, what? 
what? Okay. And then, and then they were like, okay, so now the next step is the actual like underwriting of the loan. So I want to, I want to take a bit of a step back because the end story is you got the house. I did. You're in the house right now. In the house. I am in my own studio in my backyard studio. And yeah. you've been painting up a storm. I've been painting up a storm. <laughs> if, you a follow, to do. if you follow Twyla on social media, it's just like a teal and mustard yellow and all the colors, all her favorite colors, <laughs> which is so fun. And all, seeing all of the flowers in your garden. And I'm just like curious from, from a high level view, because we did the math, right? And it was 48 days from texting your real estate agent that you were interested to closing what thoughts did you practice? What beliefs did you have to build? How did this process break your brain? I want to hear some of the like higher level summaries of how this process felt as a single woman with no traditional employment. There were so many moving pieces and there wasn't a lot of like intentional thought around it. I was putting a lot of trust into my team, which is the whole point of buying a house, right? That's why you have a team that allowed me to have the detachment that felt like it was going to protect me and my feelings, right? I definitely started to have beliefs about the possibility of it, right? Because the offer was accepted. There was still nervousness about like, what are the payments going to be? Can I actually do this? Like, how much am I taking out of retirement savings and brokerages, right? Like I did actually go into retirement to pay for it. I had more money left than I thought I might, which is pretty cool. But in terms of practicing beliefs, I don't think that I was doing that as much as I could have been. I wonder what you would think about if you were to do this process again. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely be self-coaching daily. Definitely, definitely, definitely be self-coaching. I remember there was a call that we got on and we coached <laughs> you and I was like, what's going on, Twyla? That's the thing is after the offer was accepted, there were still like three or four days where I was just like in tears. Yeah. Emotional process. Okay. The the real estate agent and like buying process, sure. Had its whole thing of signing paperwork and whatever, but the loan process, the money, (laughs) it felt like my finances, my business, the eight and a half years I've been, it felt like all of it was being picked apart. And I know that's the job of the lender. The way that my brain was taking that was you've done things wrong. You haven't been as successful as a business owner as you could have been. You shouldn't have spent so much and your profit margins should have been higher. There were all sorts of thoughts coming up. And I think that's where I would have done things differently is to coach on that a lot more because if I could have gotten my place to neutrality and really truly believing you're good. You've run this business so well. The lender's going to do what they're going to do. It doesn't mean anything about you and how you are as a business owner managing your money. Had I been stronger in that, like, no, I'm good. And I trust myself to be a good business owner. Yeah. The up and downs would have been a lot less than they were. I think it's so important to talk about that. And I, I, hope that I haven't been scaring my podcast listeners about the underwriting process too much because I feel like I've talked about it a lot, but I think it's so important to normalize that the underwriting process is intense in that the lenders are asking you a bunch of questions. It's very normal to have like 50 long email trains and they're texting you or they're calling you and they're asking for clarification. And it can feel 
like a personal attack. Like, oh my God, you have me under a microscope and you're judging me. It's so important to talk about it openly because so many people are not prepared for that going into it. And then when they have, when it happens, they think it's because their finances are bad. Yeah. When in reality, it's like, no, everyone has the same kind of experience. If you're an entrepreneur going through underwriting, we all kind of have this. And so I think it's so important to know that like, you're not alone. This isn't a you problem. This is a, as an entrepreneur, they're just going to nitpick the shit out of you. Part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. There were multiple emails where it was like, okay, we need this information from you. And it was like eight to 10 bullet points of like, we need these more documents. We need you to write a letter explaining why this month was high and these months were low. We need you to Which write- Which is a- like so ridiculous as an entrepreneur. Are you joking? Why was this month high and this month low? Because I'm a business owner. What are I'm you like, talking I had a launch in this. So it was really, it was very detailed. Like, okay, I had a launch in this month and this, this, and this, and it was low in this month because that's my off season. Or right, like I had to explain all of this and then they would take- my text, they would put it into a DocuSign and then they'd make me sign it. So it was over and over and over again, like explaining, okay, signing that this is true, explaining, signing that like over and over and over again. And it was completely overwhelming. Like it was a lot, you know, and obviously my thoughts about that were making it overwhelming because I didn't really know going into the process that it was going to be so much questioning. I ended up recording an entire training based off of this. I don't know if you've seen it. I put it in the portal. It's called managing your mind during the underwriting process. No, I actually bought a house without looking in the portal at all. Yeah. You may have benefited. (laughs) I might've benefited from that, but you know, hindsight, (laughs) but no. And I, I ended, I was like, okay, this is definitely like something that requires a lot more mindset work. I actually am putting together an entire buyer's mindset section just because like, it can feel like this attack. It can yeah. feel like an emotional roller coaster. There's so many calls. There's so many questions. And yet you still did it in 48 days. That's yeah. insane. I highly recommend going to watch that training and working with Gina. If you want to buy a house, you're like I was with Gina, but I didn't watch the training. And I, <laughs> we did coach you a couple of times. Could have, it would have been useful. <laughs> we did coach you a couple of yes. times, yeah, but yeah, I think it could have been useful. Yeah. To have like 10 X the amount of coaching that you got. How do you think your self-concept has changed since doing all of that in such a short period of time? I mean, I'm capable of a lot. Like, I really believe that. It's helpful for me to look back and say, okay, how would I do some of this stuff differently? Would I recommend buying a house while you're trying to relax on vacation? Not particularly. Although I did a really good job. I was going to say. The process, actually. Yeah. if you were really truly fighting against it every step of the way, you wouldn't yeah. have even gone and submitted an offer. You got to give yourself a little bit more credit. I give myself a lot of credit. I did a great job. The closing week, I'm trying to remember the exact day, my loan was rejected. So my first lender, after back and forth and back and forth and documents and blah, 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 they were like, <laughs> it's not going to work. It's too, your loan, your, the fact that you're self-employed and with your variable income and all of this, it's too risky. They won't give you a loan. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? Like we are how long into this process? And I have no loan. And that was just completely emotional. And I had a, you know, a good 
freak out and then went to my team and they were like, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean you can't get a loan. It, means it just means they lender. said no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we had to go to an outside uh, mortgage broker that specializes in quote unquote risky loans, a little bit higher percentage, but they checked with this lender ahead of time. And they were like, this is the situation. This is why the previous one was rejected. We don't want to go into this, giving her hope that this one's going to be, that this one's going to go through. So can you like, given all the information we have, which is all of it already, it, will it work? And they were like, yeah, it's fine. Um, and I still didn't trust it. I was still like detached. I'm over here detached because, ooh. but it did. You're it like, did my heart's been through. broken too many times. My heart has been broken too many times. It did end up going through and we were still doing loan stuff until like the day before close. We had to extend closing by one week. What's so amazing about this entire story. And thank you so much for, for being so generous with the details. Cause I know like the real estate process is such a black box if you've never gone through it or seen anyone firsthand go through it. And I think what your story is showing me, it's like everything is solvable. Yeah. There were lots of hurdles and they all had solutions. And whether it was you figuring out the solution or leaning on your team, every roadblock was surpassed. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about the way you explain like getting to a goal where it's not just like a curve or an arc, but it's like you go in all of these different directions and then eventually you get there. It felt a lot like that. There were just so many things to overcome. It's almost like- you're trying something and you get to the dead end and it's easy to think, oh, that's the dead end for the entire process versus, oh, that was just a dead end for one possible solution. I just need to try another possible solution. And I think a lot of people let any number of dead ends discourage them that like the goal is impossible. You could have easily have said like my first offer got rejected. So I'm not even going to try to, I'm I'm just going to not let it go. Yeah, which I like, I can't buy a house. To be honest, to be honest, I almost did that. I was like, never mind. This is too much right now. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. And it, and it was my, it was my real estate agent who was like, actually, you need to look at this one, right? I sent you five, but like, just look at this one. (laughs) Let's talk about that. It's totally quirky, but it's beyond what I dreamed was possible. Like the first house I put an offer on was lovely. It was so cute. It had the ADU in the backyard to work in, no garden, not a lot of privacy. So I have a two bedroom, one bath. It's fairly small living room, kitchen. It's hard to paint a picture of it without seeing the house. Even seeing pictures, you don't really understand how amazing this is. In total, my property has about eight different rooms. And two of them are the bedrooms in the house and then the living room in the kitchen. And then outside of the house, there's the ADU, the um, auxiliary dwelling unit, right? Which is fully plumbed. So it's like had a little mini kitchen and a bathroom, but it's like a one room studio apartment essentially. And I have taken the kitchen out kind of, cause I'm actually working, um, making my jewelry here. But then there's outdoor spaces. So there is a covered patio. There's a covered breezeway. There's a covered studio. So not the studio I'm working in, but another studio. There's a covered like storage area walkway. And then there's a covered garden area. That's more than eight rooms. Anyways, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot (laughs) of space. And the covered areas are covered with 
clear corrugated plexi, which makes them essentially like a gigantic outdoor greenhouse. Like little sunrooms. <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. And that's the thing is like, this is magic with all of the stuff everywhere. Like I, I started to feel like I haven't even unpacked all the way. <laughs> There's boxes everywhere. Even with all of that, it's just absolute magic. Are you saying it was worth it? Oh my God. Beyond what I could have dreamed. I have private beach access. I can walk to a gate and then walk down the hill and be on the beach in like 11 minutes. Okay, Twyla, <laughs> one, fi- one final question. What advice would you have for the entrepreneur like you, who may be single or like a breadwinner who wants to buy a house, but they think they can't? There's a few things. Definitely, it benefits you to start thinking about it two years ahead of time. Because if you can get your finances in order, if you can get your profit in order and have it be more even or be higher profit, that's going to benefit you in the long run. It doesn't mean you have to have that. But if you're starting to think about it that soon, it really, really benefits you in the long run. But that being said, like just realizing that more is possible than what you realize. Obviously, you're going to have to have the money for the down payment. You're going to have to have the money for that like added buffer money that they want to see. But until you start the process and inquire about it, you actually don't know what's possible. So starting the process is really the only way of knowing what's possible. And then in terms of just like a monetary number that I didn't know that was so helpful for me to know is their most loans, they will give you. 40 to 45% of profit as a loan. So going into this, I had no idea what I even would qualify for. And had I known this number ahead of time, I could have like done my own estimate on like, okay, this is what I might qualify for. So it's 40 to 45% of profit. Meaning like if monthly on average, if your business profits $10,000, so say your business sells $20,000 a month, then your profit is $10,000, they'll give you $4,000 to $4,500 monthly in a loan. So you could have a mortgage that's $4,000 to $4,500 if your business is profiting $10,000 a month. And then also just like self-coach as much as possible. Like if you know how to self-coach, obviously, you know, Gina has resources about this, but like it is a, it's a ride. It's a ride. And the more steadfast you can be in self-coaching and in believing like nothing that's going on around me means anything about me, right? Them questioning your money, looking, digging into all these things, like none of it means anything about me. It doesn't make me good or bad. It doesn't make me bad at my business, right? It doesn't mean anything about me. That's would be so valuable to remember because um, otherwise it can be hard and you can be hard on yourself about getting the loan or not getting the loan or them questioning, whatever, you know? Absolutely. And it's possible. It's so possible. Possible. Yeah. Even with all that. Even with all that. You're living proof. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Twyla, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Where can the people find you and where can they buy your beautiful jewelry that I am also wearing right now? 
Yes. My website is twiladill.com. It's T-W-Y-L-A-D-I-L-L.com. Instagram, Twiladill Design. TikTok, Twiladill. Twiladill everywhere. We're sharing lots of videos. Now I'm, you know, still posting about jewelry, but also there's a lot of like backyard content because there's all sorts of flowers surprising me and coming up every day. It's been pretty magical. So yeah. Amazing. Well, I cannot wait to visit. I can't <laughs> wait to come visit and see your beautiful house, Twyla. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Gina. Thanks.